0: It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 511, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. And it is November 26, 2017. And this week, our guest is Bart Buchatz, back with Programming by Stealth. And I believe we are on in installment 44 of X. How are you
1: doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine. And uh, yeah, assuming I can count it is indeed episode 44, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, yeah. When you start adding that up, that really does get up there, doesn't it? It does. And I, I we're so nowhere near done. It's just not funny how, how how much more there is to learn. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. Well, plus, it's handy that it's changing while we're learning. So that that's a good thing, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's true. So once we get this whole ES6 thing, there, and then in a few months time, we can do ES7. Well, OK, not a few <laughs> months, a year or two. Right, right, right. Although, to be honest, ES6 is, is like, it it may as well be called JavaScript too. It is the single biggest change I've ever experienced to a language. I mean, you know, I I witnessed Java go through some big changes, but ES6 is such a huge change for the better, which is good.
0: Right, right. That's great. So far, I like it. And I liked our homework this week. Oh, good. (laughs) I managed to crack the code on search and replace. Uh, I'm hoping
1: you did a little bit more than that. Uh, not too much more than that. Okay, well then we'll see, we shall see, if, I mean, if your code still works, if your tests still pass, all good.
0: Yeah, they do. I did, I, I I don't want to throw you off your track of how you're going, but I had one spot where I thought something might be able to be a constant, and I only found one, and I didn't do it. I let, I mean, it works either with let or const, but I'm not quite sure if that's logical. Yeah, I don't
1: remember using any constants. Let me do well, I wondered about command F.
0: Let self become this. Could it be const? Um,
1: it could. Yes. Yes, it absolutely could. <gasps> because yeah, you're right. That shouldn't change. That in fact, right. that's a good a good place to use to use const. Yeah. No, look, that's look good. At me. Um, I have good news for you. In that, a few weeks from now, all of those selves will be gone.
0: Oh darn. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly but I was yeah, just
0: kidding be... wait do we get to keep this
1: oh yeah no this is this, oh. is this is here to stay well yeah but it becomes more sane and sensible okay, it good. becomes more like it does in every other bloody language okay <laughs> yes. okay so uh, no zip file uh, for this installment again we're going with a tagged release on github so link in show notes and the release is very sensibly tagged PBS 43 Challenge Solution. I got it. So there we go. And that will also be the starting point for your next challenge, by the way. So you get two for the price of one from that uh, that zip file. Okay. So your challenge. So let me see. We started our exploration of ES6 last time. uh, And we learned about let and const, which are new keywords for defining variables and Unlike var, let and const are block-scoped rather than function-scoped, and unlike let and var, they are not hoisted. Wait, unlike... Sorry, unlike var, let and const are not... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, yes. Uh, So let and const are not hoisted, let and const are block-scoped, not function-scoped. And of course, var will continue to work as it always has, it's just that you now have the added options of let and const. Uh, added better options, you should use 99.99% of the time. There is one exception to that for now. Um, And that for now is going to be until a new feature in ES7 becomes properly bedded in. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, We're going to go on this time to look at function arguments and objects. And then next time after that, we'll be looking at arrays and strings, and then we have classes to do. Yeah, we've, so, we've lots of cool stuff still to learn. Yay! Uh, but the challenge this time was simply to take the BARTvista.ca prototypes and to begin the process of transforming those into ES6. And so the only thing we've learned so far about ES6 is and const. So that was the change to be made in this installment of the homework. And... As we continue to learn more about ES6, our homework is going to be somewhat repetitive in the sense that we're going to continue to refactor that same piece of code as we learn more and more new features of ES6. So by the time we're finished, we'll have a really nice ES6 implementation with exactly the same functionality we used to have. And our test case is there to make sure we don't mess it up. So as we go, we should end up with the same output. So, okay. On the whole, with two exceptions I want to draw your attention to, a c- control or a command F var whether a replace of let is pretty much most of the homework. But there's one really big exception and one sort of a, one it would be better if kind of exception yeah. rather than a you must kind of exception. So the obvious one where things would go terribly, horribly wrong is if you replaced the definition of the global namespace with... So instead of having var bartificer equals bartificer question mark, bartificer colon, squiggle, squiggle, semicolon, if you replace that with let, things would break. now and they did. Uh, yeah. So why would they break? Well, the reason it breaks is because let is not hoisted so we learned way back in installment 12 that operators have precedence and the absolute lowest precedence operator is the assignment operator which is the equals so the ternary operator happens before the assignment which means that you're trying to use a variable of artificer before it exists potentially and let absolutely positively will have no truck with that kind of carry on. You are not allowed to do that with let. But of course, a var description is hoisted. So although in your code, it looks like you're using one before the other, in reality, you're not because the definition was actually hoisted to the top of your file. So that's why it works with var. It doesn't work with let. But actually, that's, that's just a technicality. There's something much, much, much bigger going on here why why are, do you remember back to why we're doing this really weird line of code cuz it's not an intuitive line of code it's not an obvious line of code it's why are we doing this weird thing what's the problem to be solved
0: it seems it seems to me we were we were saying that uh if you haven't named created the namespace yet you need to declare it and if you have declared it you should don't mess with it
1: right and the reason is because we're using this one namespace across multiple APIs and it needs to be possible to use multiple APIs within one file. So you should be able to have a Bartificer clock and a cellular automaton on, on the, the one web page.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And
1: so depending on which one loads first, one of them will be the first there, so its job is to initialize the Bartificer namespace, and the other one, will its job will be not to ruin it. But you don't know which is which. Okay. Right? Right. Because anyone could in- include them in any order. Sure. So... And this line of code has to work both for a situation where it's first and a situation where it's second. And that's the reason it's such a weird line of code. Now, let will have no truck whatsoever with rede- redefining a variable. So let cannot be used for this kind of shared variable.
0: So it can't check. Oh, OK. Oh, OK. So there wouldn't be another Bartificer because there just
1: can't be. There just can't be. So it just you oh. couldn't use let to define this kind of shared variable. Okay. And the only reason we're doing this is because JavaScript as of ES6 doesn't have proper packaging system yet. So in other languages, you'd have a packaging system and you wouldn't be hacking around with namespaces. But JavaScript as of right now doesn't have that yet in a way that's usable. It's on the way. It's coming. They're working on a new feature for a future release of JavaScript where you're going to have an import keyword where you can actually have proper packaging. And when that becomes widely used, we're going to learn about it. And at that point, we will never have to use var ever again. Hmm. So, So we're only using var here because we're hacking around an existing limitation in JavaScript that isn't quite gone yet. It will be gone, but it isn't gone yet. Okay. So for now, that's your one var that stays. All right. Now the the second thing I want to draw your your attention to is it's a, if you had just replaced the var with let here, this would work and you would have no bugs and you would have no unexpected side effects. But it would be better to be slightly more clever about it because it's generally speaking a good idea to make your scope as small as it can be, but no smaller. So you don't want stuff. You don't want a variable to have a bigger scope than it really needs to have. Okay. So to to illustrate this point, I'm going to pick out one function, which is the function uh, barterfiser.ca.automaton.prototype.step. Okay. So this function contains two sets of nested for loops, which both use x and y because they both loop through the two dimensional grid. And because var makes everything function scoped, it's the same x and the same y that gets used twice, once for each set y. of for loops. Well, we had no choice before the SX. Okay. Right? No matter where we declare, no matter where we declared X within that function, it would exist for the entire function because it's function scoped. But in this case, so for, we want
0: X to be that that horizontal dimension and Y to be that vertical dimension, and we want them to be the same X and Y in order to. look No,
1: we'd like them separate. No, no, we'd like them separate, please. They should only exist for the four loops they matter in. The only reason we have them as function scopes in the original is because we had absolutely positively no choice.
0: I thought when you went into a, a cell, you needed to say, okay, I'm in the in the X dimension and now travel through, well, travel across the X dimension, and as you get yep. into each X dimension, then travel down Y. You're saying that's a clumsy yes. way to do it and we get to get no, 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 it? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. That's fine within one set of loops. But there are two sets of loops in this function. One starting on line nine, and one starting on line twenty-three. Oh, you're doing another one.
0: Okay, so what I've okay, I haven't read ahead that far. So, what does the second section do?
1: It loops through again, doing something else. So we have two. We loop through the entire grid twice, using four loops that go over x and y. So we have two, we go through x twice, we go through y twice. It's we're doing it twice within one function.
0: I forget. What are we but, doing in the second time? We're ch- oh, we're changing the state
1: in the second yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the point is there are two sets of for loops in this function which are forced to share an X because JavaScript before ES6 gave you no choice. That's really, that. that's not good. It's one variable being used for two different purposes. That's not good. It would be much better if they could each have their own. And with let, they can each have their own. Hmm. So instead of replacing line eight with a let, you should instead on line nine put four, let x equal zero. And then on line 23, say four, let x equal zero. And then each loop will get its own x. And on line 10, you say four, let y equal zero. And on line 24, you say four, let y equal zero. And then each of the x's and each of the y's get hmm. their own variable. OK, so it it works with uh, without
0: doing independent uh, X's and Y's, but you now have the freedom to do it in a more logical way, which is different X's and Y's because they're in um...
1: the the block scoped.
0: Yeah, we're I was about to use the right word. I actually really like that one. But how do I know it's a different block? Oh, because it's got squiggly lines, but they're still all in the same function. Squiggly. Right. Bracket. So this- Sorry.
1: Yeah, so the squiggly brackets define a block, the function defines a function. So var exists across the entire function, whereas let exists within its squiggly brackets. Right. So on my my updated code sample, I have highlighted the scope of the two different Xs. So the first X comes into being on line 8 and exists until line 19 when its block closes. And the second X comes into being on line 22 and continues to exist until line 27 when its block closes.
0: I like that. Okay.
1: So again, it's nothing wrong with having with continuing to use function scope, but it's not how you would do it if you were writing it from scratch. So since we're refactoring, we should refactor as if we were writing from scratch, I guess. I guess. So, the, the
0: one thing that still confuses me a little bit is, in my mind, this is the same x. It is the horizontal dimension. Conceptually, it's the same thing.
1: Yeah, but it still it shouldn't be the same variable because if you if you have forgot you there should it should never x be for po-
0: something else,
1: right? It yeah. should never be possible for something for another line of code to mess with that x. Yeah, so its existence yeah. should be as tightly constrained as possible because that way you have much less chance of side effects. So, you generally speaking, okay. you don't want your variables to exist for any longer than they have to because then you can have a collision. And yeah, I can, I if, can see. For,
0: how, in this example, it happens to uh, to represent the 0. same thing but yes. it, it could very likely not be the same thing and cause
1: cause grief. Gotcha. Okay. Exactly. And the, the, the if you have something with a really big scope, there's an awful lot of lines of code where, you, where something could have gone weird. And that can leave you when you're debugging with an absolute headache where something, you know, the scope is bigger than you thought and something has stomped on your variable and it may be a hundred lines of scrolling up before you see where you've stomped on the variable. It could become really head-wrecking because if you keep your scopes nice and tight while you're debugging there's not much room you know for you for you to have done something silly so it's generally it's easier to debug code with nice tight scopes so keep your scopes nice and tight okay so that's it. That was that was that, that were the only two subtleties in the homework, as I say. One of them you would have noticed because your code would have stopped working, and the other one is just a it would be better if rather than you must.
0: And you could add to your notes that you could make uh let self equal uh this be a constant instead.
1: Yeah, indeed you could because it, it shouldn't be changed. You could add notes right? though that I helped here. Let's see, I could if you remind me afterwards. <laughs> I won't do it live on air. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so then we're ready to learn some new stuff. Cool. So let's let's start with functions. So there are two new features I want to talk to you about in function definitions. So a function definition is where you're creating a function. And in particular, we're interested in the very first line where we define the names we will give the arguments. So within this function, we will refer to the first argument as whatever, that, that part. So inside the roundy brackets, that's the bit we're interested in. And the first feature I want to talk to you about is default argument values. So we have come across functions where you have optional arguments, where the function will say, if you specify a second argument, I'll do such and such with it. But if you don't, I'll default to four or whatever. Uh, And we, you know, as, as a very simplistic concept, I have a sample function in the show notes that increments a number By default, it increments by one. But if you give it a second argument, it'll increment by that amount. So of what we know now, we would have to do something like function, name a function, open round bracket, name the two arguments. And then we'd say, if type of the second argument is undefined, set the second argument to one and then do our work. Okay. Yeah. Now, looking at line one, it's not obvious what's going to happen i. You actually have to go look in the body of the code to figure out what i's default value is. Now, maybe, you know, if you're a seasoned programmer, you might collapse that function down a bit to a little one-liner. So you might have return n plus, and then using the ternary operator, type of i triple equals undefined question mark one colon i. Mm -hmm. But that's still the same logic. And again, you're still having to look into the body of the function to see what's going on with i. Right. It would be nice if you could tell at a glance what the story is with i. And in ES6, you can, because you can simply assign it a default value right yep. there in the definition. So you can say function, name of function, open parens, name of first argument, comma name of second argument, equals one. Huh. Close parens. That is now your default value. If you specify a second argument, that your value takes precedence. If you don't, then one will, will be what happens. So, so now your whole could, function is how do you the obvious that three.
0: Yeah, how do you know that that's um, that you can change i though? I mean, because if I it's read still that, a, it says i is one.
1: Okay, but by definition, the rules of JavaScript say that is a default value you're assigning. In when okay. you're defining a function, the value you set is a default value.
0: I'll get used to that with practice, but instinctively, I'm like, nope, can't touch it. I is one.
1: I get you. Yeah. Get you. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, it's a default yeah, value assignment. That's a lot cleaner. And it is much cleaner, and you can tell. So if you had a massive big function. You wouldn't have to go looking through the function. Where is it I set the default value? It's right there. It's in that function definition. And that's what you really, really want. Hmm. You want It's basically self-documenting code is what that is. Yeah. And that's good. So I really like this new feature. This is something which Jill in particular adores about PHP and hates about that she hasn't been able to do in JavaScript up until ESX. And now in, with ESX, she can. So that will right. make her like JavaScript a little bit more. The second thing, then, is so-called variadic or rest arguments. Now, we have met Wait, these, can, but I have I want to interrupt
0: for just a second uh, okay. to say something nice. Um, one of the things I have been angry with Bart over the years we've been doing this is his insistence on the correct phrasing and wording of things. And one of the things I've I've told him is in the background, Dorothy lets me call things anything I want to just get my question out, right? So I've been kind of I've got got two teachers, one who's being really precise and one who lets me be silly. She knows the real words, but she lets me use the wrong words. Mm-hmm. But this week I really got the value out of of your precision with the language, and that is I can't look for help online unless I know what stuff is called. So yes, when when the the namespace uh, declaration failed. I looked at that and I said, oh, that's a ternary operator working on the namespace. I can go do search it. Now, I didn't find my answer, but I knew I was searching for the right thing because I knew the language, the wording, the, the phrasing of JavaScript in order to search for my answer. So without what you've been forcing me to do, like make it made up words like variatic. I had to go look that one up just now, by the way. Um, I am now a believer in that. I'm still going to whine and complain. But I just wanted to at this moment in time, thank you for making me be precise.
1: In an ideal world, right, in university, you would have a lecturer and you would have a tutor and the lecturer should be strict and the tutor should not. And so you have that ideal world now because I'm really persnickety about what I say on air because I'm talking to everyone, whereas yourself, you know, when you're just, you know, on the elliptical or whatever, talking code, it's perfectly fine to be as loosey goosey as you like because there's no rest of the class listening in.
0: Ah, good point. Good point.
1: And well, in like, fact, it's good, it's healthy. It's, so being able to have both is the absolute ideal world.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so okay, now back so, to this word you made up, variadic. <laughs> well, I didn't make it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so variadic or rest arguments. Now, we have come across them, but I have not named them. Now I'm naming them because now, now as of ES6, They're a full-fledged feature of the language. So back in installment 16, we learned that you can use the special arguments variable to deal with a function that could take arbitrarily many arguments. So you could loop over the arbitrarily many arguments. And the example we gave was a function named product, which would multiply together arbitrarily many numbers.
0: I remember that one.
1: And what you'll see, so you see the function there is function, product, nothing in the paren, in the parens. So there are no named arguments here because we don't know how many there are, so we can't name them in early versions of JavaScript. Uh, we say if we got no arguments, return zero, otherwise we'll loop over the arguments. So for var I equals zero, I is less than arguments at length I plus plus, and then we multiply all of our arguments together and then we return the answer. And then you can see that you could say product three, four and get twelve, or product one, comma two, comma three, comma four, comma five and get 120. So you can do whatever amount of them you want, and the loop will just loop over the arguments. But again, looking on line one, that is not self-documenting code. That is far from self-documenting code. It looks like it takes no arguments, but in fact it takes infinitely many. Right. That's 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 not good. Uh, this kind of a function, this is referred to as variadic arguments. Uh, and in an ES6, you get a proper way of dealing with it. If you, you can name a variadic argument by prefixing the name with three dots. Let me, and let me just tell should...
0: people what variadic means. In computer science, an operator or function is variadic if it can take a varying number of arguments. That is, its arity is not fixed. I'm not going to look up arity? the next word. Yeah, A-R-I-T-Y.
1: That's a made-up word, Arity.
0: <laughs> well, but so variadic makes more sense to me than rest. I'm not quite sure what the word rest ah, would mean.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get explain where it gets this nickname. Yeah. Okay. So you can read. Okay, so you make a variadic argument by saying three dots and then the name of the argument. Huh. And the way you could say that in English is take all the rest of the arguments and shove them into n.
0: Oh, I don't like that. What do you mean, shove them
1: into n? As in, all the rest of the arguments become an array named n. Oh. So, dot 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 n means I want all an the rest array of the arguments. N arguments. Yeah, I want all of them. I'm going to call them n and they're going to be an array. So, dot 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 n means that n will be an array and it will contain whatever amount of arguments there were. It will contain the rest of the arguments. Hence, they're also known as rest arguments.
0: Yeah. I so like we variadic, can rewrite. I like the made-up word now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I use "variadic" too. I think it's it's a better word. So I yeah. actually will use the word "variadic." Um, and am will Also, come across variadic in the definition of terminal commands because some terminal commands can take, like the uh, the copy command is variadic because copy any amount of source files to one destination. So that means that the source files is a variadic argument. You can copy four files, you can copy one file, you can copy whatever amount of files. So it's it's variadic. So it's a word that actually does exist elsewhere in computer science. Anyway, so in JavaScript, we have our variadic argument, so we can rename, we can rewrite our function from above. So we say function product, and this time we name our argument dot, 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 one, two, three, dot, 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 dot n. Okay, And now n is going to be an array. So we can say if n dot length triple equals zero return zero. So in other words, if there were no arguments, return zero. Okay, And then we can just loop over n. So n dot for each. And we can just multiply them together. So answer star equals num.
0: Oh, no more little I plus pluses going on there.
1: Nope. And then we just return our answer. And the output will be exactly the same. Product three comma four is still twelve. Product one comma two comma three comma four comma five is still one hundred and twenty. So we have collapsed the arguments into an array named n, and we can now look at that function definition and see that it's variadic, and that we will be we will be calling the arguments n. So you still that don't is, know what the
0: function's going to do, but you know what the arguments are going to look like.
1: Exactly. So the last function, if I look at it, it looks like it's a function that takes no arguments, which is absolute hogwash, whereas now it looks like a function that takes arbitrarily many arguments, which is exactly what it is. Okay. So it's again self-documenting code. Now, the variadic arguments, you can only have one variadic argument in a JavaScript function, and it has to be the last argument. Okay. But it doesn't have have to be the dot
0: n, comma dot 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 i.
1: No, 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 no. The dot 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 n has to be the last thing.
0: Or dot, dot, but you, dot, you can I have i, thing.
1: yeah. You can have i, comma, dot, 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 n. So you could say one argument, and then all the rest will go into the array. Hmm. So you could can have a have normal two argument. arrays
0: as arguments.
1: No, no, the first one is just a normal argument. No, you can why, have as many normal. Ar-
0: why can't you have two arrays as
1: arguments? Oh, you could have. Well, only one of them could be variadic because it means take all the rest and put it into an array. You can only have one. All the rest. Why? It Doesn't make any sense to have two rests. What if I want two arrays as arguments? Then you're going to have to multiply two arrays. Okay, but then you're not taking all the arguments and collapsing them into an array. Then you're taking two arrays. Okay,
0: okay, gotcha, gotcha. It's the whole meaning of all the rest, right? Exactly, which is
1: why they're called rest arguments because it is all the rest. So as another example to point this out, I have a function that takes a normal argument and a variadic argument. Now I'm calling it prefix up. Do you? You you probably actually know this because you're an engineer. But some calculators work off the basis that you prefix operators and then give arbitrarily many things to operate on. So you could say plus four, five, six, seven means add four, five, six, and seven.
0: I was an RPN. I'm an RPN girl myself. So reverse polish notation. So I would give is the RPN arguments N- first N- and then okay. give all of the uh, operators afterwards.
1: Yeah. So, so you can have fact. prefix, infix, and postfix operators. So reverse polish notation is postfix. Yeah. So this is prefix. Okay. So we're going to call the first argument op, and it's going to be a normal argument. And then all the rest, we're going to call n. So the function definition is function prefix op, op, comma, dot, 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 n. So, so n I could gets put in 6,
0: comma, 4, comma, 11, comma, 8. And the last three or four that I just said would all collapse into an array, but the first one would be standalone as an Exactly.
1: Argument. Okay. Yes. All right. Because you said the first argument I'm going to call op and all the rest I'm going to shove into an array called n. Okay. So that's why it's called a rest argument because it's all the rest go into n. So in this case, I'm going to say op is going to be an operator. So we're going to say if n dot length is zero, return not a number. If you've only given me plus and you're giving me no numbers, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but (laughs) none. If the length is exactly one, I'm just going to return whatever you gave me. So if you say plus one, okay, have your one back. So just return n zero.
0: Wait, why is n? Oh, oh,
1: for n.
0: Sorry. n position zero. Okay. Yes. Yes. Square
1: brackets, yes. n is an array. Uh, And then I'm going to say, let the answer be the first element in the array, uh, just as a starting point. And then we're going to have a little for loop. For let i equals one, i is less than n dot length i plus plus. So then we're going to loop over all the rest of the n. And either add them together, subtract them, multiply them, or divide them, depending on what op is. And if op isn't one of those things, throw an error.
0: Okay, and op was your was your operator uh, plus minus, exactly times, and then we
1: return the answer. Yeah.
0: So we still have to use that little loop loop over. We can't do a for each there. Or you could have?
1: Uh, well, no, we can't do it for each in this case because I want to skip the first one. I want to say ants oh. equals the first one and then loop over the rest. And the easiest okay. way to loop over the rest is with a good old-fashioned i equals one. Okay. Not i equals zero, i equals one.
0: What? Wait, what, Uh. yeah, what is i? Okay, i is the position.
1: Yeah, so we're not starting at zero because we're saying the answer, make the answer be zero and then... Add to that answer, or subtract from that answer everything else.
0: No, not make the answer be zero. It be the the thing in the, the zero position.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's another made up word I have you using. Zeroth, zeroth position. <laughs> you gave me so much grief over that the first time I, I introduced. You. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's not a real word. It's completely made up by computer scientists. <laughs> okay. So we can see our test function in use. We can say prefix up with no arguments, and that will return nan. We can say prefix up. Uh, slash one will just return one, prefix up minus twelve four will return eight, prefix up plus two four eight will return fourteen and prefix up star three five two ten will return three hundred. Okay. So you can see the first argument goes into op and all the rest goes into N. Which I'm is our very com- added. I'm a little confused
0: rest. by your uh, by your code not including something to say check and make sure that's a string coming in as op, but I, I'll allow it for this for this
1: experiment. I intentionally didn't overcomplicate because then I will be distracting from the message I'm trying yeah, to give.
0: I know. I know. I just thought I'd yes. throw that in there because it never occurs to me to test for idiots putting stuff in and you always <laughs> do.
1: Okay. Yes, I do in real code. Yes, that is true because the world is full of idiots and I'm often one of them.
0: <laughs> I have. Lo- I am not at all lost yet. Okay, good. Then we're going
1: to get onto a whole new type of for loop, and that might just do the trick. All
0: right, good, good.
1: (laughs) There's always hope. (laughs) So we're now going to switch focus to objects. So we've learned our two cool new things about function definitions, uh, default values, and variadic arguments. So now we move on to objects. And really, the only new thing I want to tell you about in terms of how ES6 deals with objects is. There's a new way to loop over all of the names in the name value pair arrangements. Remember that an object is a collection of name value pairs or key value pairs if you prefer. I don't know which nomenclature th- you like best. I
0: think name value pairs except keys is important because we're going to use it, so I should try to think that way too.
1: Yeah, JavaScript names its functions using the word key, so that's why I'm trying to always throw it in as yeah. well. But a yeah, key is just a, a key is just a name value, you know. A key is just a name, right? Don't so say way back, value,
0: that's worse.
1: <laughs> that is worse because that's wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but no, name value is right. Name key is wrong. Anyway, um, way oh, back that's... in instalment, <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> Go I mean. ahead. So back in instalment seventeen, we first came across objects and looping across objects, and we had a piece of sample code, and it just said var TLA lib equals open curly bracket RPM colon the string revolutions per minute comma mph colon the string miles per hour, comma, or m s colon root mean square. So that has defined an object named tla lib which contains three keys and three values. So rpm, mph, and rms are the three keys. Gotcha. And we can pull those keys out of that object using the function object dot keys. So we have a pbs dot say because this dates back to when we were in our <laughs> playground.
0: Oh wow! Simpler times.
1: So, yep. <laughs> The following acronyms are defined concatenated with object.keys. And it would just print out the array of keys. Mm-hmm. And then we could loop through and print out all of our TLAs through their acronyms by saying object.keys and then doing a for each on that and looping through each of the keys that way. And then we could do a say with the, the key followed by what the value is. So the okay. key concatenated with the string colon concatenated with the actual value. Okay. Uh, and that works, but it's a bit ugly. It's not really easy to read code. So we now have a whole new kind of loop whose function in life is to do those kind of things. And it's called the for in loop. So we replaced the last bit of the code. So I've highlighted the bit I'm talking about in the original and the replacement is highlighted in the second segment of code. All the rest is identically the same, except I use a const because why not? Um, we can say for let TLA in TLA lib. Okay, lost. Good. Okay. <laughs> so let TLA means we are going to declare a new variable, mm-hmm. let TLA. And that variable is going to have so in TLA. lib means TLA is going to become each key in TLA. lib one by one. so the loop is going to go around once for every key. the first time through the loop TLA is going to have the value of the first key, the second time through the loop, TLA is going to have the value of the second key. Wait, the third how do, how do we know TLA is the key? because that's what because it's in. Right, So the magic word is in. Whatever's on the left of in is the name the key gets. whatever is on the right of in is where the keys are coming from. Any way to so the, remember that? Nope. Practice. <laughs> okay. I don't like it either. It doesn't read like English. Yeah. us TLA in TLA Lib does not read like English.
0: So TLA beca- the thing to the left of in is the key.
1: Mm-hmm. And the thing to the right is where the keys are coming from. So all the keys in TLA-Lib are going to be looped over and we're going to call the current key TLA. So we hmm. could say let boogers in TLA-Lib and then each time around, the first time it would be RPA, boogers would be RPM, then buggers would be MPH and then buggers would be RMS.
0: Okay. All right.
1: But in this case, I'm calling him TLA from TLA-Lib. Okay. And then we can just say PBS. say TLA concatenated with colon, concatenated with TLA-Lib key TLA. So square brackets TLA. So that's all the for in loop does, is it loops over the keys. Okay. Now, this works really. This works entirely as you expect on what we call plain objects, like the one above. We've just made an object, we've given it some keys and values, and the for in loop just works exactly as you'd expect. But what happens if you were to try to do a for in loop against some sort of prototyped object? Say you had made a cellular automaton. What would happen if you did? a for-in loop against a cellular automaton object, or a for-in loop against a clock object. How would for-in respond? What would it do? Well, it's time to do a little bit of revision before I answer that question. So we have talked before about the difference between instance properties and static properties. So an an instance property is one that every single object has its own copy of. So if you're to take the example of a cellular automaton, every single cellular automaton has its own grid. They're not sharing a grid, it's one grid each. Right. Whereas if you had a static property, the property actually belongs to the prototype, not to the instances. So it's one copy shared by everyone. That's the difference. In a static property, there's one of them shared by all the instances. An instance property is well, you get one each. So I've done an example to help make this clearer, and okay. I've made it a booger. Because it's not
0: as familiar as one would hope, but I'm glad the word booger is in there.
1: Ooh, yeah. with a capital B. So I'm going B. to make, well, yeah, because you always name your prototypes with a capital letter. That's, well, you oh, don't okay. always, but it's, okay. it's, a, it's a convention. convention. Okay. So I am making a prototype named buggers, and it is going to have one instance property, which is color, and there's going to be one static property that applies to all buggers, which is going to be called aka, also known as. So function bugger, c equals green. So I'm using my defaults. I'm saying by default, the c is green. And I say this.color, spelled the European way like it should be, <laughs> equals c. Okay. So one property, color. And its value is going to be C, which is green by default, or whatever you pass in as the first argument. Then I'm going to define my static property bugger.prototype.aka equals bogey, because boogers are bogies Okay. So we now have one prototype with one in one instance property and one static property. So let's make some buggers. Uh, so let's uh, how do I
0: Read that and know that one is an instance property and one is a static property.
1: Okay, one of them is on this and the other one is on the prototype. So if it's on the prototype, then it belongs to the prototype, so it's static. Okay. If it's on this, then everyone has their own copy because this is a reference to my.
0: Okay, okay. I reserve the right to forget this one and ask you again four or five more times. Sure. Just putting a pin in it. Okay.
1: (laughs) So let's make two boogers. Let bogey1 equals a new bugger with no arguments. Let bogey2 equals new bugger with one argument, the string yellow. So if you now console.log bogey1.color and bogey2.color, we will get green and yellow because we have our default value there, C equals green. If I then change the color of bogey1 to white and then I console.log again, bogey two is completely unchanged by me having messed with bogey one. So you get white yellow because it's an instance property. So each bogey has its own copy. Yes. Do you believe me? Let me think through
0: that one more time. So let me see if I can say that. So when we changed <laughs> bogey one becomes equal to not equal becomes equal to white that changed bogey one, because that was a reference to self is this color mm-hmm. uh, so that changed it but because the prototype
1: we haven't touched the prototype. we're only dealing with the instance variable here right? oh okay. so we're, okay
0: then I then I then I do follow it sure you haven't told bogey to uh, a copy of the prototype you haven't told
1: it to do anything different
0: copy of the prototype is that the right word instance instance, instance so of they, the prototype right got it
1: okay yeah so they each have their own color because it's an instance property. So boogie okay. one has a color and bogey two has a color and they are not the same thing. Right. Okay. AKA is different though. So I can console.log bogie one.aka and it will say buggy. And if I console.log bogey AKA it also says buggy because they're actually the same. So yeah. if I change because it belongs to the prototype, not to the instance. So if I say bugger.prototype.aka equals snot. Now I can console.log buggy one aka and buggy two aka and they are both now snot. Because there's only one aka and it belongs to the prototype. It is static. Okay. I buy it. So what does what does forin do with these two different types of variable? The answer is it will loop over both. So if you do a forin loop over a bogie or over a booger you will get both the aka and the color which may be what you want but it may not be what you want and if it's not what you want all is not lost because there's a there's a function called has own property which is provided by the object prototypes which is a system function that's just there for you to use and it will return true if the property is static no the uh, instance if it has its own right so it's called has own property so if it if it belongs to bogey one then it's true and if it belongs to the prototype it's false so static functions are false static properties are false instances are true
0: okay i'm um, i was lost on the earlier part now i'm lost on this as well uh are you going to walk through the forian thing so we can see what you're talking about or not uh, you said it will loop over both, and I don't know what loop over both means. I've lost where the four in would even be going in this. Oh, sugar!
1: I just sort of—I ass- made an assumption. I shouldn't have made an assumption. Um,
0: <laughs> what is it that says that it makes an ass of you and me? <laughs> have you ever heard yeah.
1: that? Yeah, yeah. Um, sugar. Well, let's let me. If just- you did a four in, then it would go. It would show both. Is what I was yeah. saying. So we oh, No, I understand what you're saying, but I don't. I,
0: I've just seen four in for the first time, so I'm not. Um, where we're, we talked about four in here, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for where. Oh, so for TLA in TLA li, lib. Uh,
1: that so you might was, say for that was for our let, So you might say for let prop in bogey one. Okay. And then if you did a PBS.say on prop, you would see two outputs. It would say color and then it would say aka. Okay. All right. Because color is its own color is a an instance property, so it gets looped over. Okay. And aka is a static property, and it also gets looped over. So where would so that So for in goes over both.
0: Okay. So where would that for in uh code go in our 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 code here in function booger this dot color equals c booger prototype pk equals bogey. What what line would that be on?
1: It would have to a happen bogey? some anywhere no after. So once the prototype exists, you'd have to create a bo- uh, you'd have to create an actual booger. So you'd have to say let some name equals new booger.
0: Okay, all
1: right, and so, then you could f- for in across that whatever name you gave. Okay, it. so
0: let let bogey one equals new new booger. Yellow mm-hmm. or whatever, and then at right after that, say for in. So for, for let
1: some name of your choosing in bogey one. Hmm. So the thing on the right, the object you're you're going over is bogey one, and right. the name you give each of its properties is what's on the left, which is anything you choose. Hmm. Okay, and then in that loop, the anything you choose will will become color. And it will become AKA, because okay. they are the two properties that a booger has.
0: And those properties are keys. Yes, no, they are.
1: Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay. I might have it. Vague so, stability on that. Okay, so now, so now that's the the forin part of it. So now you're talking about this dot has own property. You're saying that only talks yeah. to instance properties.
1: Okay, so for it, the for in loop will go over both instant and static. If you don't, if you want to skip a static, you would you, you can use the has- own property to figure out whether or not you want to include it. So has- own property will return true for an instance and false for a static. So if you only want the statics, you could set, you could put your if statement one way. And if you only wanted the instances, you'd put the if statement the other way. But basically, okay, so if you I can only use wanted, an if statement.
0: If I only wanted the static property, then I would say dot, dot has own property false.
1: Yeah, has own property. Yes, exactly. Yes, because okay. false means it's not its own. So that means right. it's static. Perfect. Spot on.
0: Okay, so instance has own property. Okay, so that's, that's my house. The other ones are the static one is our house.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and yeah, so has own is sort of Englishy at least, but it doesn't use the magic word this, which is a pity because own and this are sort of synonymous. Okay. Color is an own property because it's this.color.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Now, there is one final complication before we finish today's show.
0: Wait, are you going to walk through the code on that or no? Uh, or... Well, you okay, did so all essentially code, what I just said,
1: right? You said I did exactly what you just said,
0: yeah. Console dot log bogey one dot has own property aka false.
1: Yeah, and has own property color true. Okay. All right. So the final thing is that for in loops, only see so-called enumerable properties. In reality, what that means is everything. Except for things that are part of the language, so I have told you a Wait, million. Let's, of one let's time. describe
0: what a numerable is. I because I just looked it up with my trackpad. By the way, uh, able to be counted by one-to-one correspondence with the set of all positive integers.
1: Right, so but this is indig- and a different concept here. This is not a oh, numerable... Yeah, this is. I'm about to define it for you because this is a whole new innumerable oh, property. Okay, this is an enumerable what else just pro- said. <laughs> So think of it like a dwarf planet isn't a planet, and innumerable property isn't innumerable. It's oh, an innumerable property. So it's a non enumerable No, no, it is. It has nothing to do with the mathematical concept of enumerability you just described. Nothing. <laughs> okay.
0: The jury will will uh, ignore the statements made by the defendant.
1: <laughs> okay. So start again. And new. Innu- okay. All properties are innumerable, except for a small handful of properties that are provided by the core JavaScript language. So I have told you a million times that an array is an object, yes? How many times have I hammered that into your head? You've said that many times. And one of the properties that an array object has is length. Yes. Length, because it's part of the core language, is not enumerable. So if you do a for-in loop on an array, the length property will be skipped. And I can prove it to you with some code. Okay. So I'm going to make an array. I'm going to say let a equals the array. So open square brackets, string buggers, close square brackets. Kay. So that is an array of length one, which contains one string, which is boogers, and which is named a. Kay. Yes? Yes. It contains two properties. It contains the property zero. So a zero, which is buggers. And it contains the property length. Wait, so the, a, zeroth,
0: the zeroth element of an array is a property?
1: Yes, because arrays are objects. They're just objects where the key is a number. Yeah, but what's that got kind of to do with a property? A key is a property. Okay, so boogers, the property color is the key color is the name color.
0: Wait. All we have is let a equals boogers here as an as mm-hmm. one element in an array. I don't know what color is going mm-hmm. on. I'm an array f-
1: is an object. An array is an object. So when you put something in as a property. Right. That's the way arrays work. So array element zero is actually just the key zero in an object.
0: I follow that, but that's also called a property.
1: It's also called a property. So, so a the property name zero. A property. Yes, is a name. Yeah. Wait, is a name? Right, so the property color 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 is a key. The Wait, property we don't have color. any colors
0: in this example. Don't okay, don't say I mean, color. I'm not using
1: the boogers. I'm just trying to tie it back to the boogers.
0: Well, but we're just in this example. We've got let a equals boogers. That's all we have. We haven't got any colors here. The, okay. the zeroth element in the array, which is an object, that zeroth element is just the fact that it is the zeroth element makes it a property. Would the one? Would the first be yeah. be a property?
1: Yeah. An okay. array in JavaScript is nothing magical. It's an object with the, with the keys 0, 1, 2, 3, 4,
0: 5, 6. Well, I, and I understand that. It's calling it a property that I'm getting confused, that the zeroth element is a, is a property. That just, I don't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's the
1: property 0. So like we had our TLA lib, you have the property MPH, or the key MPH. You so you're have saying the, key. the
0: property is the value for the key value pair?
1: No, it's the other way around. So the I, the property zero is the key zero. So in this case, the property zero has the value boogers. I can yes. say a okay. dot zero. Okay.
0: Yeah, I just... And it, I will get out boogers. It's the word property I'm getting stuck on, but I'll, I'll keep moving. Okay. So <laughs> we're still trying to get okay, to this enumerable thing. So the property zero, uh, which is a square bracket zero, that is enumerable.
1: It is enumerable and it is boogers in this case.
0: So it would be looped over in a for in.
1: Yeah. There is also a property called length because you can say a.length. Which means that that is not enumerable because it's part of the language. So if we do a for in loop, so for let prop in a, console.log prop and then a prop, the output will be zero, buggers and length will never get a mention.
0: Why do so you, if you say output this, is property length equals one then?
1: No, because length is not enumerable. It is skipped by the for in.
0: But your output in uh, shown on screen here says okay. property zero Practice. equals boogers, property length equals one.
1: Yes, that is coming from line six, where I am explicitly outputting it. So line six, console.log, property length equals a length. So prove it's there, right? So it's okay. there, but it's not looped over.
0: Okay, and it's in the next line when you console.log, all innumerable properties, and it does not give you the length. Okay.
1: Mm. Okay. So basically, if you made it, it's enumerable. If it's anything but a core part of the language, it's innumerable. So all I'm saying is JavaScript skips over some of its own internals.
0: So length is an example, not the only one.
1: Yes, and it is the okay. only example I have come across on a regular basis, but I'm okay. sure there are more. Okay. But because they're skipped, I'm obviously not noticing them, right? Because they're skipped. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's it. And some people like for in loops and find them easier to read than object.keys. And some people don't. Hmm. There is no reason to write your code one way or the other other than whatever works for you. So if, this, if you don't like for in loops, make a mental note that they exist because if you're handed someone else's code, you're going to have to go RTFM it. (laughs) But use whatever you think is most in agreement with your brain. This isn't like var and let, where let is better. This is just a really nice shortcut for people who don't like looping over object.keys.
0: Okay. I would try to learn the new way just because that's fun to learn something new. That's why we're
1: here, right? And there is also, you, one reason you may get to like let in is because let in has a cousin, which we're going to learn about next week for looping over arrays, which is let of.
0: They're and called when you get for in, going, let in.
1: Sorry. Yes.
0: Let That's in would memory. make sense. For in is a little harder because there's parentheses and a let and another crap in between. Yeah.
1: <laughs> sorry. Let me say that again. So we've learned about for in. And next week when we look at arrays, we're going to learn about its cousin, which is for of. Oh. And Forov is amazing and cool and everyone loves Forov. And when you get used to forovs, you sort of by default and almost grudgingly get to like Forin. <laughs> that's my experience anyway. I hated Forin and then I got I fell in love with Forov and now I use both because, well, they're so similar to each other. It's actually kind of easier to keep the style consistent. Okay. So you may end up liking Forin by default <laughs> rather than <laughs> because it's actually nice. But anyway, that's for next week. All right, cool. So I struggled a bit to find the challenge for you to do, because it turns out that our entire CA prototypes, there's no actual reason to use variadic arguments, default parameters, or uh, for in loops. Oh, no. So I looked, I couldn't find a reason to use any of them in the code, so I couldn't give what I was hoping to give as the homework, so I've had to improvise. Your homework is to update the test suite so that it uses let and const. And there's quite a few consts that you should be using in that. Oh, OK. There's only uh, let's and and const. Well, there might be other stuff. Actually, no, let me not prejudice it. Apologies. There actually are opportunities for the other stuff. So there are some loops? There are some loops in the the test suite there are. Yes. OK. Sorry, I should have said that. Yeah, that's why I chose the test suite. So in the test suite, you get to exercise both what you learned last time and what you learned this time, whereas in the actual real code, you wouldn't, which is why you're updating the test suite this time. I see. I see. Okay, cool. So that's where we stand. The next time we get to look at arrays and we get to look at strings. And while the array stuff is cool, the string stuff will blow your mind. Really? Oh, good. Re- good. Okay. How fed up are you with having to concatenate strings? I'm not a fan. Right, if you it's look a typo just like opportunity, the, though, so that's nice. Oh, yeah. So even if you just look up, say, the very, very last example on the page, line 11, that is bloody horrible. <laughs> yeah? The string star space concatenated with prop concatenated with the string colon space concatenated with a square brackets prop. That's horrible code. Say goodbye. Ooh. You are going to learn how to do that as inside the string you could reach in and get the values without... Ending oh, the all stream. these quotes and unquotes, and because you
0: always forget the space and then you read it and it looks like garbage, and you have to go back and yep. fix it. oh nice there
1: is a thing called a template string, and you are going to fall in love with it Yay. and that's what I'm going to teach you next time, along with array coolness so that, that's what you have to look forward to
0: all right that sounds good i'm glad I'm kind of sad it's two weeks away, but we'll survive. <laughs>
1: The other good news is, right, we're not even we're not even near halfway of the cool new stuff in ES6. I was I was doing a little note to self on all the things I have to remember not to forget, mm-hmm. and it, there's quite a few. It is such a big change to the language; it's it's great.
0: All right, awesome. Okay, well, uh, we will uh, talk to you again in two weeks. I think this homework sounds doable. I bet I can break some stuff though, so that'll be good. I did. I was kind of disappointed that I only broke one thing with that that var nonsense in the uh, namespace. So. You've a bit more
1: opportunity for mayhem here. <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it. All so right, have Bert. fun.
1: All right. And until next time, happy computing.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon Affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus.